interesting and disturbing. So, um, hello, happy Monday, solid ground live stream number 31. And uh, Deborah was just talking about something about Zoom harvesting data for AI training, which is super creepy. And uh, I'd love to hear more about that. David, you want to start us off with uh, solid ground? Ziblurb. 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 Yes. Solid Ground is a peer support community for anyone concerned about the imposition of critical social justice, justice, CSJ, aka woke, and or COVID mandates in their workplace, university, children's school, or community. We offer weekly online peer support groups in which members share ideas, thoughts, and support for how to navigate the impact of these ideologies and answer the question, where do we go from here? You can join one of our groups for only $5 per month. To find out how to join our community, please visit solidgroundsupport.com. And please note Solid Ground does not provide psychotherapy or legal advice and nothing we do should be construed as such. And hello, Andra Boudreaux. Thank you for joining us. And yeah, we do this live stream every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific, which is 1 p.m. Eastern. And what time in the uh, UK there, David? 6 p.m. in the UK. Okay. And the associated time zones or countries. So thanks for being here, everybody. And so what's the creepy news with AI and Zoom and what's well, going on? Well, first I realized that this is some tweet and I haven't verified if this person <laughs> is even like real. <laughs> but... I saw this tweet today. It said, Zoom's terms of service now require you to allow AI to train on all your data, audio, facial recognition, private conversations, unconditionally and irrevoca irrevocably with no opt-out. So that's kind of, I'm looking at the, then they kind of highlighted with a little highlighter where it says in the terms of service. And it says, you, let's see. You consent to Zoom's access, use, collection, creation, modification, distribution, processing, sharing, maintenance, and storage of service-generated data for any purpose. Wow. And so some of the purposes could be, you know, quality assurance, analytics, and then it says machine learning or artificial intelligence, including for the purposes of training and tuning of algorithms and models. So that's wow. That's what it says. Was there a word like censorship in there? I didn't hear anything. Uh, no. no, no, but that's creepy because I think a lot of people use Zoom for private meetings. Mm -hmm. And so if you're consenting to distribution and the use of all content that's generated, so does that mean that they're, by using it, you're like the record, they're recording it and they could redistribute things or, uh, you know, what does that mean for people who are using it for supposedly private, ostensibly private mm. conversations? It doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> the, the only way, it, the only thing that potentially sounds good is if, insofar as people are being concerned that AI have been training on a lot of like, say, woke material, mm -hmm. um, that then say you go to ChatGPT and you ask it, you know, how do you, what do you think of affirmative action or something like, and it might say that was terrible that it was over because it, it was training only on people talking with one sort of point of view. I, the, the only plus of it, I don't like anyone in a private conversation, but if private conversations are actually talking about a greater array of things, then I'm like, at least the AI is informed with more perspectives than it might've otherwise been. But I, I, I don't want the invasion of our privacy just to accomplish that. Um, well, you know what, I, this is something I, I've heard people talking about being concerned about what AI is being informed by. And, and so if AI has one, um, if, if AI is being trained on one sort of ideological set of opinions, then what is the da danger of that? The danger seems to me that then, then if people are looking to it as a resource, the resource is biased, but doesn't that overlook other dangers of AI? Because if AI, the more, what is the point of AI anyway? And what, I mean, if it's just a glorified Wikipedia, then, you know, if we all know that Wikipedia is an unreliable resource. So if we look at AI as that, then I don't really see how that's such a concern. I mean, people need to know that their resource is biased, but what, what else are the potential 
issues with AI. It seems like it's not merely what kind of resource it is for humans, but also what it's being used for more broadly. I mean, what mm. other concerns are there around AI? I have a lot, but I want to hear from other people because I could just gab. Um. I think making um, a lot of jobs obsolete um, because AI is um, basically creating, it's basically able to mimic the problem solving capabilities of human beings. And so it's making some jobs obsolete. And I think that's a concern for a lot of people. That's one of the biggest concerns that I've heard discussed. What do you think, David? Well, I mean, I've heard in sort of a few discussion groups I'm in about the way that sort of algorithmic bots are being used to um, <clears throat> censor chat functions or um, kind of even workplace kind of commun online communities. And this is leading to, you know, they, those bots can kind of flag when someone uses words and, you know, regardless of the context that they're in. And um, I don't know, I'm just listening to that Zoom thing and I'm thinking, what if someone decides there are certain words that can just never be said. There are certain things that should never be discussed, you know? It reminds me a little bit of when um, a friend of mine who works at Amazon sort of said that uh, Amazon were, were decided to put together sort of a staff platform in which they could talk freely about things because it was seen as something that would be beneficial to their ongoing well-being to have a place to talk about Amazon more freely. But as soon as they put it in, they started getting nefarious ideas, which is to start flagging when words like unionize and union kind of came up. And suddenly people were getting flagged by their seniors and being asked about certain things. And obviously the whole thing fell apart and trust in the organization plummeted as a result. So I just wonder, you know, you just you kind of wonder in what hands um, some of this stuff is going really. So it's just kind of like, like this heavy surveillance and being used for censorship purposes or for, for keeping people within certain boundaries. Hmm. Like, yeah. Like, do we, do we, can we even say for sure, like, there are, there are words that should never be used. Can we, are, they, are there words that we should just write off human existence? You know, <laughs> you'll never need to, you, you shouldn't say this word, or you shouldn't use this phrase. You know, I know that there are some people who said those things um, recently in a community group, and I think it's an interesting idea. Yeah, mm. David, we were in a discussion without naming names of someone at their workplace who had, what was that, was it, I don't know if it was in their Slack channel, what was it where they were correcting their language? What was, do you remember the, the, the details of that? Mm, I'm not sure I remember the details. Um, what is it? I don't remember this. It wasn't with us. It was with, it was our another group that we emailed chain that we're on oh, okay. and the workplace had instituted something where there was I don't know if there was like language correction I forget what it was um mm. and it was something related with with the government um I don't want to say which or where or whatever but that was a bit concerning um, yeah it was public sector wasn't it yeah hmm interesting you know well, for me when oh go ahead no, well, Deborah, go go ahead, Deborah. One of my many concerns about AI. It's funny because I have a my brother-in-law is so excited about all of this, and he he does a lot of creative work, and he actually feels like it's going to help him with his work because he can, if you can come up with good prompts, say for Chat GPT, you can produce some some things that he used to take maybe um, weeks for actually an artist to do like a rendering of a drawing for of something. He could just use Mid Journey or one of the I forget they're all called mm -hmm. right. And within five seconds, like he has this thing and then they can make a product out of it. We can make a t-shirt, we can make whatever. And so it's mm. feeding things up. He doesn't have to pay somebody to do something um, as a, he was an architect at one point too. So as someone who can potentially imagine things and knows how to give good directions, he feels like it's a plus. Um, I think one of my concerns is, and it's not just with AI, it's with everything. We were losing our ability to know how to do things I mean, like, you know, like, like people without maps, right? People don't know how to get anywhere. People probably don't even know where North is. 
anymore um, if they're just walking around. People don't know how to calculate and do math on a piece of paper. People don't know how. So the more you outsource to a thing to do, one, humans just become less valuable. And, but we also just become less capable in my mm -hmm. mind. And I get concerned about how this sort of intersects also with, I used to kind of think, oh, universal basic income. That sounds kind of good. But I even worried with that about if people, again, suddenly didn't know how to like do or make anything. I think human beings need to be creative in doing. But now, especially with, with government, you know, debanking and things like that, I get more nervous about um, if we're not like earning our own income or we're, whatever, and then there's universal income and then they go, well, you said the wrong thing. So now we're not going to pay you, you know, and that's going pretty multiple steps out, but I'd rather keep us being capable. <laughs> yeah. I would people. too. The automation is, I think it's really, um, it's really concerning. Like the automating of, of, uh, like one example is just going to the grocery store and having the self-checkout, right? Like that's the most real life example of how it's, how we see it like routinely. And I'll always stand in the long line to avoid the self-checkout, but I wonder at some point, are they just going to eliminate human cashiers altogether and there won't even be that long line? Yeah. My, um, I was at, Home Depot or Lowe's or one of those with my boyfriend recently. And we were in line and he was saying, why don't we just go to the self-checkout? And I'm, cause it's kind of long. And I'm like, no, because we're going to interact with a real person. We're just going to, we're just going to do this. And so we, we wait in this long line and we ended up having this really delightful conversation with this really charming young woman who was behind the, the, the checkout. And it was like, she complimented my earrings and then I complimented something about her. And then we had this whole conversation about it. And as we're leaving, he's giving me this look like, I know you're going to say, I told you so. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, there's some, you know, I've wondered about the, the telehealth thing, you know, how during COVID everything went telehealth. So all the doctors are doing these, you know, and I used to think, how could you see your doctor? on a screen how could you take medicine remote doesn't the doctor need to ch check your vitals and you know see you in like that's a human to human interaction if there ever was one don't they need to have you there and we found out through covid that people are accepting medicine remotely they're accepting that anyway so at this point really what are you what is your you know, you must have to go in for some kind of an exam periodically, but you can do so much of your management through just virtual consultation. And I was thinking, as I was in graduate school, and I don't know what your training is like, David, in regard to uh, therapy, but there's so much that's being broken down into technical bits that I almost feel like it's, they're, they're, going to start implementing AI therapy and AI medicine, AI consults. And, and who's going to accept that? I imagine a lot of people will accept something like that. Yeah. I mean, one thing COVID taught us in some ways was that there's a lot of people who are, who maybe sometimes, sometimes maybe require a bit of a push to go out and see someone in person. They don't necessarily want to have to do that, but people too easily will be able to say, that's okay. I can just ask an AI. I can just ask a bot about my problems. You know, it's like one step along from, say, Googling your issues on on Google and saying and, and thinking, oh, I've got the answer I need. Um, uh, it's kind of one step beyond that, but not much further, is it? And uh, AI is already I think AI is already doing that. I already know I've spoken to a clinical psychologist who's very interested in trying to implement some widespread um, solution that's more digital. And I thought it just sounded so untherapeutic. And it's but it's it's almost as if people have forgotten this stuff, right? Like people have forgotten how important it is to have these, these, and maybe COVID is a part of that. We've kind of just gotten used to doing it because people can fit things more into their busy schedules now. And you know what the irony of that too is that like when I was studying um, counseling, one thing that kept being stressed in all of the literature is the importance of the therapeutic relationship, the importance of the rapport. It doesn't matter what modality you're using. It doesn't matter... Um, what philosophy the the therapist was trained from the the thing that matters most in terms of the healing and the experience for the client is the relationship yeah. and so if you're going to 
turn things into this this AI experience where you can just consult a bot, you then you've completely eliminated something that we know is the most important aspect and you've just distilled it down to moving parts, you know, ones and zeros. Maybe that's the next thing we need to do, realizing the importance and power of old fashioned, not even old fashioned, is it? God, I'm already doing a disservice. <laughs> uh, normal, normal therapy. Why is it so important? Why is it? It's not, it, it, people have lost sight of it. It's not just curing your anxiety. It's not just fixing this. It's not just that. I think maybe we need to, need to remember why that is. Why, why is it therapy works? Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know you guys watch Jonathan Peugeot. He has the Symbolic World podcast. And a couple of weeks ago, he said that his, I think as a teenager, maybe, or 11, I don't know, somewhere in that tween or teen, came home from school with some sort of, I don't know who's asking the kid or asking the parents, given the mental health issues that are happening with youth these days, it was basically like, how would you feel if we got an AI to sort of be like, help your kid with their mental health? It was like surveying parents or something like as though they were like this might be a good idea that we have all these kids in need so what if we all just gave them an ai right and it was like oh it was so horrifying wow yeah like you're so lonely you're so lonely let's just give you a computer instead of trying to fix what we're doing to separate human beings from each other let's just give you something electronic to make up for it Oh God! And this, it's, it's like a- the wire monkey experiment, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, David, I cut you off. No, that's a great point. I, I was just thinking, like, it's it's this that so it's social media and the online world that's fueling this problem in the first place. More and more <laughs> people are looking at normal, normal ranges of emotion. You know, a falling out with someone, a breakup, kind of ranges of things that we have to learn to become resilient of because that's life life has its ups and downs but people are pathologizing it with sort of medical language or over psychological therapy therapizing language mm-hmm. and then maybe if they're, 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 the problem is being created in this way and then the solution is also some completely um you know non-human ai as a result it's just it's one thing feeding the other yeah it's over Oh, sorry. It, it makes me think we're forgetting the value of humans and the value of being human together because AI really, it can't replace that. It can't offer that same level of connection and presence. Yeah. We're going to need to do it. It's going to be a wire mother and then it'll be a computer mother. We'll, we'll try we need some more experiments to go on, I think. Just hope they don't put soft, fuzzy stuff on top of a robot. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> that's enough. I mean, yeah, that's kind of what, what it looks like, you know, these said soft, fuzzy stuff on top of a robot. Oh, you're reminding me, and I wish I could and how we phrased it. One of the pieces that came out about once ChatGPT came out, you know, everyone was having an opinion about good or bad. And the guy that, <clears throat> one of the guys that was involved in the social network uh, or analyzing some of that, Jordan Hall gave a talk on <laughs> some of the concerns about, you know, this new AI. And how do you describe it? It was something about where it's tending towards is is almost to be replacing intimacy because the ways people are getting asked questions um, or what they're even surveying for, they're trying to figure out like your deepest needs or your deepest feelings or, or, or things like that and then try to give that back to you. And, and then you feel gotten, you feel seen, you know, by your Amazon recommendations list or something like that. And that was really concerning to me if they're, I don't know who designs any of these things, um, but if they're, if they're, if the way they're, it wasn't just like recognition or being, um, I'm trying to think what social media kind of provided. It was like this next step where they're, it, it's kind of moving into these very private, more private areas and our more primal um, sensibilities or something like that. And that um, they were concerned about that particular like angle of approach with technology. What, what would they get suggested, sorry, as a, as a result? What would be given to them? I'm not, I, 
I need to go back and look at this. Maybe I'll, I'll, maybe I'll link to the actual conversation like in the comments or something on this, or I can give Leslie it for the show notes. But mm-hmm. so I feel like I'm not doing justice to the point of it, but it was, it was as though the, I don't think anyone's sitting there intentionally doing it, but just the ways that AI is, AI is, is designed, the types of thing, information that people are getting or giving, um, try to making people feel, there's something about making people feel more gotten or more met or more something like in some of these designs. And it might've been initially just like, well, we're doing customer service and we want to be better at it. Like they weren't necessarily thinking we're getting into your mind and now you're going to be confused between us and a relationship. Like, I don't know if anyone thought that, but it is, when then you think about like, say the, the robotic sex dolls, I and mean, that's going like way far down the, the pike, right? Where, where, where people are just going towards, they, they don't know how to do human intimacy. It's too complicated. It's too whatever. So I'll just work with this yeah. thing that's algorithmically designed to perfectly respond to me um, with no fights or arguments or, or huh. dissonance. Um, and it knows me well. Um, that's just an oh extreme version. That's, an, that's a very extreme version of it. But there was something about the way, the, the capabilities maybe of what's mm-hmm. happening in some of these technologies. And then some of the ways we've just gotten her down in a pathway mm-hmm. that this, this intimacy theme was, he was sort of pointing it out. But again, I'm not doing it justice. So I, maybe I shouldn't keep going in this direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sheer bloody hubris of mm-hmm. thinking that you can create something to perfectly respond to the demands of what you have at that particular moment this uh, this perfectly responds to the desires i have at this particular moment it's so uh it's so short-sighted isn't it um it's oh, brilliant for right. capitalism though yeah go on amazon's going to recommend a a little uh <laughs> i don't know before you want it right <laughs> like they'll be like you oh i know you wanted this chocolate ice cream cone right now <laughs> yeah Andre Boudreaux says, if nothing else, our current state is reminding me of how amazing and irreplaceable just being with real people in real time is. And then um, let's see, David Moore says, licensure and liability hamstrings therapy to the point where they practically are AI autopilot supporters. And, you know, that comment, the um, one of my criticisms of the way that mental health training is being done right now, at least in, at least in the program I was in. And I think that it's, I think it's going on in a lot of places and maybe all over the U S is the way that diagnosis is being treated for it. And, and, uh, treatment plans are being taught. It's for insurance. It's for easy coding. It's not for individual needs and benefit. So, there was such a heavy, it really felt like at the end of the day, you could really be a technician. You're being trained to be a technician, not, not something deeper and, and more meaningful. And I could see that very easily being taken over by some kind of AI. Um, oh, and then, so creepy. yeah, wh- why is my thing not letting me scroll? Um, S. Koval 7, I think that's how you say your name, or have, S. Koval 7 prefers self-checkout and finds that the chances of delightful interactions with cashiers are low. (laughs) (laughs) I love that response. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Talk to Josh Slocum about that. Josh Slocum really thinks that the people at the cash registers are terrible these days. (laughs) I, I think they're lovely. I always ask every, I, I just say the same thing every time. I always say, how's your day going so far? And it's amazing the responses you get in the conversations that you can have just in a moment with somebody, you know, they'll say, oh, I'm almost done. And then you, you, you can ask if it's been busy and then they'll tell you about something. And it's just like, just a moment of conversation, but I usually enjoy them. Leslie, I'm wondering how much, how, how much did you go into that example and actually really try hard with that person that was there just the one oh hey, gosh. how are you doing how's it going oh you looking lovely no today. that that <laughs> was actually just like this moment of perfect serendipity no. because the girl complimented my earrings right away and and it was just like this really sweet bright like oh those are really pretty and then I told her where I got them and then I said something about maybe her necklace or her hair or something like that and then she was just like so happy to be to be engaging 
And she just brightened up and she was super sweet. It was like this perfect moment of, yeah, I told you so. It was, it, I couldn't have played, I should have slipped her a 20 or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was great. But um, yeah, let's see. Oh, okay. S. Koval 7 says, unless you're the wrong guy, then you're being creepy. Mm. So I guess you could be creepy to the cashier. That's the risk you play with uh, human interaction there, right? <laughs> That's the risk we have to play. Otherwise, AI takes over for us. <laughs> yeah, and the idea of AI being crafted as a some kind of a companion that that knows all your needs and doesn't fight with you. Mm -hmm. that I, I guess it would have to fight with you just the right amount because without a little bit of tension, you Isn't know, yeah. Well, that's right. And it's not your, I mean, it's, it's really a kind of infantile narcissistic fantasy, this idea of the perfect partner who anticipate, anticipates and meets all of your needs and never challenges you. And I do think that there are people who would go for that because there's people that have traded in intimate relationships for pornography. And the problem with that is when you don't have the fights and you don't challenge one another, you don't grow and you also don't resolve your underlying issues that you have left over from your family of origin because most the most of us conveniently transport those into our marriages or long-term relationships which is aggravating but it's also an opportunity for healing that you're not going to get from you know a blowjob giving robot um that just you know runs around doing things for you to service you and, you know, and branching off of that, I, somebody says, let's see, uh, where was it? Somebody just said, oh, a guy in his room, men are already being fooled to send money to AI cam girls and not realizing it. And when I read that, I was thinking, well, but what is the fool? What's the fooling there? Because a cam girl, what's the difference at, at the user level mm. of paying a real girl to pretend to be interested in you and paying a robot to interact with you as if it's a real girl pretend like there's already so many levels of fooling going on the girl who's acting like she's interested in you enough to be seductive and and stimulating but is only doing it because you're paying her money there's already deceit going on there so how does that change when it's ai what what do you guys think about that? I think people can fool themselves into thinking, oh, but she really likes me. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, yes, that's absolutely. She, I know she's acting for everybody else, but yeah. <laughs> but this android really likes me. It doesn't really work, does it? Oh, no. um, You know what's sad too is I think they're starting to do, I don't know if it's in Japan or I, I, maybe I'm making that up, but imagining like so many, say elderly people, maybe they're widowed, maybe they're just single. And then like, we're going to get all these little AI little bots to keep them company because nobody really wants to go visit the old people. Like I get worried. I'm going to be one of those people that's going to have some creepy robot because no one visits me. Oh my gosh. Um, it's so it's just so sad, you know? Hmm. Well, so yeah it's interesting i i want to i want to think about this i don't know the the does he really fool himself into thinking she really likes him is that really happening is that is that a necessary component of the paid if of the sex work interaction that it is for some people but okay. not for others hmm. and we still don't know how many of those would still quite happily live in a i mean we all live in denial to a certain extent it's one of the plights of being human but you can quite easily steer into denial if you just pretend that that isn't an ai or that isn't a robot there's plenty of ways in which you can do that so even those people that know that it's a robot can forget i'm sure <laughs> well but the, and then that would imply that there's something uh okay so there i don't i don't do this i don't i've not done it but i have an idea of what it must be you're paying somebody a cam girl you're paying them to interact with you like in a zoom call where there's 
where, where there's whatever nudity or sexual content or whatever's going on. But are there also some where you're just paying for access to their videos and they're not actually interacting with you? And at that point, does it matter if it was a real girl or if it was AI? Does that matter? Because she's not even really interacting with the user. But does, is it like, is it the idea that you're being, you're now being stimulated by some computer graphic image instead of a real person? And does that matter? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because I don't use okay. that kind of content. So I can't possibly imagine. And I don't know. I've never had that discussion with anybody. Well, a guy in his room says it does matter. So I would love to hear more about that if you want to type it out. Hmm. I can't help feel there's, even if I don't know the answer, that, that it's like a gateway or a slippery slope to something else, right? Like you can con yourself on that. Then I don't know if you guys like watch Blade Runner 2049 and he's got a, literally a fully AI girlfriend that just sort of follows him as a holographic around the, around the flat. Um, <laughs> like her remember the remember the movie her oh. and it had he had the op that operate and she evolved like past him <laughs> hmm. it's, it's really interesting it's really interesting i saw this video of a i guess you guys might have seen it. it was on twitter i saw it a few different times posted of a girl at whole foods using her hand to pay did you see this? She's like, I'm going to use my, I'm going to try using my hand to pay for my groceries. And then she does it. And she's like, super happy. She's like, Oh my God, it worked. Oh, this is so crazy. It's so cool. She's like really excited about it. And, um, I just thought it was super strange. I don't know if that's her palm print, her fingerprints, her, she's got a chip. Oh, she had a chip or something. Oh, okay. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is that, that that's being scanned at that point, but then why would we be excited about the opportunities for ever increasing space between humans yeah i was thinking uh, i was thinking as well earlier i think you said something earlier leslie about having a conversation with someone and i don't know what i can't remember what it is you said but i almost imagine sort of like a black mirror episode where someone is just literally searching google for answers you know or typing a question in or kind of just kind of as they're talking to someone just kind of let me just let me just before i answer this question let me just let me just make sure I'm not going to embarrass myself. What is the capital of so-and-so or just whatever, you know, it's like, yeah. it's just exactly as you say, creating that space um, between people. And if people could start putting a chip in, that would mean that they constantly had a search engine or something like on hand to them. I mean, we're already doing it. We already interrupt conversations to look at our phone every five seconds or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's quite scary thinking about it. It is. I always think of, I, I have this um, this scene from the Terminator that runs through my mind. Remember the first Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. And he's got like when you when you uh, it keeps flashing to his perspective, the Terminator's perspective when people ask him questions, and he gets this multiple choice like yeah. like grid superimposed over the world, and he, uh, I always think about that like the scanning for answers. Mm -hmm. Um. And some people in the chat think you have the best laugh, Jennifer. Oh, that's so nice because I used to constantly get singled out by teachers in school because I was always the person that was laughing the loudest if anything happened. So I was forever getting told off and often sent out of the class. Aww. So thank you for that. Someone said in the comments under the video that you and I did with Jenny Holland the other day that you are... you curse very elegantly <laughs> i saw that i thought that was so funny i love that <laughs> you need to put that in your twitter bio curses elegantly i've had a lot of practice let me tell you <laughs> see ai couldn't do that that's right i believe in swearing often yes, and curse in the style of jennifer friend yeah <laughs> that'd be the prompt that's the AI prompts, yeah. You... <laughs> oh, Jay Bourne says that was me. That's nice. Yeah. Aww. Aww. Yeah. Um, S Koval seven. When people have money, they generally use it to isolate, live behind gates, etc. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. 
It is interesting. There's some real truth to that, I think. Yeah, it just makes me think of that, like, is it that final few scenes or something like that in that movie Wally as well, where, like, humans have become so evolved and advanced that they're just these kind of, like, blood blubbering kind of fatties just, like, moving around on these things that hover for them. And then as soon as they think or want something, some bot arrives that gives them their gigantic Coke or something. And and they're probably, I don't know, I don't know if the X-rated version of Wally probably has an Android underneath the desk as well. Um, but maybe something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but it's, yeah. <laughs> X-rated Wally. That's maybe, no, yet to come. Yeah. Disney. What a thought. Well, yeah, it's really, it it is interesting. I And I, I know we've sort of talked about this before, but um, I, I know I've brought it up before. When, when I was in, um, I guess it was in the earlier 2000s and I was in undergrad, I was studying social psychology and this concept was being talked about quite a bit that I've not heard talked about since. And it's the concept of anomie, which is like being, uh, uh, having, no sense of place and being sort of um, disconnected from meaning and culture in society, having no um, no sense of purpose or or value in life, and that this was going to be a problem of the next generation. This was the idea that was being talked about, and I wish I, I wish people would talk about this more because I think that it is a massive problem right now, and I think it's this lack of belonging and purpose is leading people into some weird places like you know if you spin it positively you would say that once all of these base needs are met you can think about other things you but what are those other things it seems like they're endlessly what navel gazing and picking apart of the self uh the the sense of like um just who who am I in a narcissistic way, you know, mirror reflecting, or is it breaking down of things? Like when we break down gender and we have to wonder about these things that previously we didn't think about. But also there's this, this propensity for hedonism. Mm. So we can go into, I don't need anything because I've already got food, I've got shelter. Um, let me entertain myself. Let me just entertain and watch porn and eat whatever I want. And I don't know, what what are we doing? Well, how many people are falling down this hole? And how do you live a life of any value when you don't have to do anything? It's a problem too, when, excuse me, when, so anything about product design, um, inventions, I mean, so much, this notion of convenience too, right? Like, this idea of a frictionless world where that's like a good thing. So let's, even though they haven't managed to do that with like call centers, like that's that's the, by the worst thing you call to get help and you can't get anybody, it's a nightmare and you wanna shoot somebody. But um, otherwise this notion, like, like that leads to this never having a challenge, um, just getting what I want when I want and like reinforcing that. And I see so many people trying to design things for more and more ease or, or touchless or peopleless mm. or um, handy, you know, like that sort of thing, which again, in terms of it, people just being this, these sort of passive, like the Wally, just like sitting there um, meeting, making more needs because you don't have any real ones, right? Um, and, I just don't like any of it. This again, that theme I had of like losing capacity, losing, losing drive, losing, and you say like purpose too, like having anything that you even need to do. People, maybe nobody even needs you anymore because mm -hmm. you could just get stuff from delivered. Yeah. JC Daedalus, Daedalus says people who don't seek out meaning are already being self-destructive without any serious meaningful life goal people are just consumers it's really interesting i wonder too if some of this the appeal of having everything super convenient and um the whole idea of that is 
maybe some of the appeal and where we get hooked into that is our own fear of our own needs and the fact that none of us are truly independent or all interdependent. And maybe there's some fear that comes up with that of what if my needs are not met? What if people let me down? What if people um, reject me or I harm my relationships in some way so people aren't there for me? If I alienate all my family members and none of them want to take care of me, maybe this robot can come and take care of me in my elder years. You know, I think there's some... Because it, it just is interesting, that point that the other listener made about how when people get money, they start isolating themselves. And it's true. You start moving to a gated community. Um, all, just all of these things, there's less reliance on neighbors. If, if you see a country that's, more, if you visit a country that's a bit more um, poor and less developed, you see that all of the neighbors clearly maintain their ties and their interactions with each other because it's necessary for survival. But with that also comes a greater sense of connection and enjoyment. Mm. And of course, some attendant conflict. You know, what's really interesting about that is that it seems like the underlying, the underlying value or need that's being addressed in that case is the need for permanence and security because people relationships, human relationships are inherently impermanent and insecure. There's always this question of, there's always a need to rebalance, recalibrate, work, try, um, continue to give input. And there's always the, the chaotic potential that if your need is based on another person fulfilling it, they may choose not to or become unable to fulfill that need for you for whatever reason they may have, they may lack capacity or willingness to continue to fill that need for you. But if you can engineer something that, that doesn't have that chaotic potential, then you have security. So this is kind of, this kind of goes back to that, that issue that came up a lot with COVID was, would you rather be safe or would you rather be free? You know, the security, would you rather have you know, you want to have a completely locked down, predictable safety, or do you want the chaotic potential of danger, but also freedom and, and ability to, uh, to choose. Mm -hmm. So with the person who, if, if we take this hypothetical rich person who then locks themselves behind, isolates, what are they doing? They're actually creating less chaotic potential in their life they're trying to control for chaos they're trying to create more security mm. and, and and but there's not there's and there's no acknowledgement is there in the safety option if you choose safety over freedom there's nowhere near enough acknowledgement of the long-term issues that will come with that with the ever-increasing need to create uh predictability you know every other bit of every small piece of chaos will look vastly more chaotic because you'll become less resilient um you'll need to do, your 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 efforts to kind of police and rule over your area will be ever more um, ever more needed and we don't discuss the longer term things we're probably going to start seeing the longer term things i mean maybe some of the some of the outcomes for kind of kids that were taken away from their social groups and education systems and things like that maybe we'll start to see some of it then but yeah this is a problem that's going to get worse but we're not going to be able to talk about the longer term the longer term problems with choosing safety it's not it's not safety it's it's uh turning yourself into some gloopy mass that's got no 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 defining features to it because you don't really know who you are anymore you've lost your purpose mm. i don't know this really ties, I'm not going to go off on this tangent entirely, but um, I might mention it. Um, I put it in our community, our locals community. Matthew Crawford just wrote a piece on, uh, how would I describe it? Um, the combination of sort of wokeness and this managerialism and the, the managerialism, like we can just control everything. We can measure everything. Let's track and surveil everything so that we either have the convenience or the safety. And then the way we've made people look to the state because they were saying we keep imagining everyone is so vulnerable and we kind of almost want to hold them as vulnerable or almost have them be vulnerable. So then we have a reason for the state to do all the controlling. Um, it was a very interesting piece. It's kind of a whole like other topic, but um, this, it does go back to, again, that sort of 
maybe we've had the luxury, you know, when you're back, when you're in a poorer country or whatever, you don't even have the luxury of trying to be safe. You know what I mean? Like you're just up against the elements in whatever form it is, whether it's nature is quite rough or um, it's a rough neighborhood or, or something like that. And then we, when we get, people get wealthy enough, they can start to even think about these things, but it is, it is insulating. So there's the, the trade-off, um, the trade-off there. And then the other thing, I think the other way people try to, we sort of said it, but I'll say it more explicitly, like the other way people try to protect themselves is being more transactional, right? Like if you, if you can just do the transaction with the cam girl, right? Like she's not really going to hurt you. If it's like a, everything's a one-time, you know, a one-time thing I can buy of an experience, like then you don't have, you can accumulate experiences, but you don't necessarily have all these risks because it's like that one's done onto the next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the end, like the logical conclusion is just computers interacting with each other. Mm. So, that's so, oh my gosh, that's so nihilistic and frightening. You know what really freaks me out? And I don't know where they are in their development of this, but if you've read anything about the development of artificial wombs in order to free oh women from the burden of pregnancy, I mean, my God, talk about distancing us from our true natures. There's just nothing more mechanistic than that. And, you know, because God forbid that we slow down for a few months and maybe aren't as productive and aren't helping to, um, you know, be part of a larger tax base or something. I mean, <laughs> stuff like that. Like- I just feel like don't do us any favors, okay? Isn't that a response to... To, I I was talking with somebody the other day and it was like, oh, somebody that, uh, like a reasonable person, <laughs> let's just say somebody <laughs> that, that I was surprised to hear this from. And this was about fertility, like um, had a question about fertility. And this person made some really offhanded comment about how, no, you can just have a baby another way. There's lots of ways to have a baby. And I'm like, have we really gotten to that point? Have we, I don't think we have, I mean, have we, I I didn't realize that we were thinking of, of this as something that's so interchangeable. I think that our idea of morality now in the West is based on the notion that what's moral is for people to get what they want. Mm -hmm. And to interfere with that is the greatest form of immorality. And so there's no acceptance of we have to make certain trades in life. We have to make difficult decisions. It's you can get what you want and have everything you want. And to not do everything to support that um, is immoral. You know, that's why we have... um, the his articles recently about the um, biological males who are given medicine to help make them lactate so they can have the experience of breastfeeding an infant because that's what they want and you mustn't interfere with what somebody wants you must facilitate their wants yeah and so i i see ai and you know all of our sort of technology as being you know potentially used towards those ends sometimes for good and sometimes for for ill but it's only your superficial wants yeah (laughs) the whole time i was thinking that i was like who the fuck really knows what they want who really knows what they want it's just gonna certainly we don't know what's good for we don't know what's good for us that's for sure well, and like looking at the word want too, what does want, want could be lack, right? What I lack, you could use the word that way. It could be what's good for me. What, what in, and at what point do you want? Like right now, maybe I want a bag of Doritos, but I also want to be in good shape. And so your goals at what level, at what level of want are we talking? And I want to be 
able, I got this lactating man thing is really, uh, that's super, super disturbing to me because not only are you're giving someone hormones, we know hormones are powerful in the body and you're giving them hormones so that they will produce something akin to human milk that will go into the body of a tiny, tiny person and be laden with the drug that you have just given to this other person that had such a profound effect on this adult human that it produced a, a, a counter sex reaction in the body. So what the heck is it doing to that baby? At, at this point, the primary goal here should be feeding a child, but now right. the primary goal is satisfying some vain desire of an adult using the child in order to facilitate that so that's freaking crazy well yeah and it's very it's interesting to me too that with all the endless obsession with women's bodies and what we are or are not doing with their bot our bodies the um there's you know there's tremendous pressure on women to breastfeed and it's number one, it's not possible for all women. And number two, there's reasons why some women do not wish to. Okay, so so it's healthier is the you know reason allegedly why there's so much obsession and even aggression towards women about you've got to breastfeed, you've got to breastfeed. But then where is all that concern when a man decides that he, a biological male, decides that he wants to take these hormones so that he can have the experience of feeling like a woman and breastfeeding an infant. And as you say, all of that is getting into the infant and doing, doing what we don't know. It's just interesting. Mm -hmm. No, it is interesting. A lot of contradiction. A lot, a lot of contradiction. And I still think there's just a great despite our, um, you know, our ideas of people have to get what they want, there is still something very, um, there is a way in which society is preoccupied with women's bodies that we are not preoccupied with men's bodies. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is underneath of it all? I think it has to do, my gut level instinct, I could be totally wrong, so just take it for what it's worth. My gut level instinct is that women are very compelling sexually. Um, and so I think it comes from a sort of sexual impulse, but then I think it also comes from a, um, because that's so powerful, I think there's ideas of control in it. Like for whatever, mm. whatever you think about um, the, ethics of you know if if abortion should be legal or if a person should have an abortion what's really interesting to me is all these states where you can't have an abortion after say six weeks which is usually around the time that a woman even has a chance to discover that she's pregnant right yeah so um what's interesting is that at that point it's an embryo not a fetus right mm -hmm. so and I'm not commenting either way on the value of that embryo. What I'm commenting on is the fact that there's all these fertility clinics with thousands of embryos. And most of the people who are advocating against abortion are not trying to shut down all of those clinics with all of those embryos. Most of those embryos will be discarded at some point. Mm. And some, they asked a senator about it even. Somebody asked that question. He said, oh, no, it only counts if it's in a woman's body. But it's literally the same thing, the embryo in the woman or the embryo in the little dish or tube or whatever um, that they, that will or will not be implanted in the woman. It, it, it is indeed the same thing. Hmm. So it's just, it's just interesting to me. That's fascinating. I yeah. think we should have a whole discussion on, on, you know, pregnancy ethics and this whole concept. Surrogacy. Surrogacy. Yeah. I think we should have a oh, yeah, that's an go interesting into that. one. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if at some level what you're saying about the woman and the the what women's bodies represent, if this doesn't also come down to the desire to control for chaos mm -hmm. and take something out of the potential and turn it into the actual by controlling it. Mm -hmm. I do think that because I think women 
the fact that we are, um, you know, we, we carry life, we bring forth life in a way that's, I mean, that's something ob obviously beautiful. It is also something chaotic and wild and creative and uncontrollable. You don't know what you're giving birth to. And um, we're also the sort of chaotic potential in terms of, you know, sexual desire and what that awakens in other people and everything that follows that. Mm -hmm. So I think people sometimes, um, it's sort of like a gateway to the entire cosmos, which is of course, endless possibility and it's also chaos. And so I think that's sort of why there's a lot of focus too on trying to control women and women's bodies and how sexually we present ourselves or how, you know, not sexually we present ourselves. And, um, yeah, and I think women pay a lot of, um, I think we, we carry physically and emotionally a very heavy burden because of that. That's a weird offshoot of this conversation, but that's just where my mind went. So welcome to the labyrinth of my skull. I like it. And I, yeah. I want to <laughs> talk about this in more detail. I want to really, it's, it's so interesting how these conversations evolve when you just let them, it's like a game of telephone, you know? AI bots all the way to the gateway to the universe. It does make sense because if we're going to, we're talking about like these extremes of this disembodied um, ones and zeros, like you always talk about Leslie versus like the most human visceral embodied thing, you know, giving birth or whatever, right? Like, and, and it, it seems like it's a battle for our humanity that's kind of going on. Like, does our humanity have any value? And what better representation of it is, or it's not the only one, but of this even possibility to um, conceive, give birth. Mm -hmm. Yes, the transhumanism topic, all, all of it, yeah. Well, what's one thing you guys are looking forward to this week? Anything good? Oh, I have a class tonight at, um, this is Zoom class of, um, mindfulness and qigong that i'm doing this evening so i'm really looking forward to that that sounds nice david anything for you i had an exam earlier today so i'm looking forward to a bit of a lion tomorrow can you believe it um yeah i'm gonna have a little little lion and sort of sort out my flat a bit more because it's, it's i've just moved into it nothing too exciting this week though um yeah I might not, do you know what I've been thinking about? There's a there's a there's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym just down the road. And I've been talking to enough people now about the benefits of martial arts and stuff. If I mean now I've told you guys, it's probably statistically made it less likely I'm actually going to go along now because I've got the <laughs> I've got the satisfaction of telling you. <laughs> so maybe maybe my body will be like, oh, that's enough of a satisfaction. <laughs> The motivation has now been wane, uh, waned as a result of me telling you, but hopefully I'll go and I can tell you all about it. Maybe you can ask me about it next week and I'll say that I've been. Oh, I, I wish we had more time. We could practice motivational interviewing and see if we can <laughs> make David yeah. more likely to do his jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you go, you can show us some moves next time. Oh, okay. that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll do the math. motivational though. <laughs> me on a live stream. <laughs> I'm going to do the masculine move and I'm just going to dare you to do it. Sure. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I'll be a chicken if I don't do it. Yeah, right? you're going to yeah. be a winner. If you don't do it, I'm going to be really unimpressed with you. Yeah. I'm going to go down a few notches in my estimation. Deborah's been coming to some of the groups that I've been having and she's she's now a fully fledged honorary man. Um, every seven, seven o'clock UK time on a Tuesday. Deborah's, uh, yeah, so thanks for representing that, Deborah. I appreciate that. Another man. I want to be the woman at the man's men's group. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Deborah, what's one thing you're looking forward to this week? Uh, honestly, I don't have anything planned and I'm kind of coming down with something. So I, oh, I no. don't know if I'm even going to be out doing anything. So um, check in with me at the end of the week and see what was good. <laughs> How about you? Um, I have a belated birthday party today. So my, my girlfriends and I, we get together for our birthdays. So we we have lots of opportunities to get to go out throughout the year because there's a bunch of us. There's it's like depending on the on the day, six to eight of us 
but um, so that's a bunch of birthdays. So it's my turn and we decided that we're going to dress fancy. So that'll be fun. Ooh. We're going we're gonna to go out and, and uh, doll up and have a nice time. So yeah. You've probably got the chats and everybody listening to this absolutely going now, Leslie. Imagine you in a fancy outfit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you're doing jujitsu right there. We, you've got the frame for it. So just get behind your chair and then just. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, I look forward to seeing you next week. And thanks to everybody who joined us in the chat. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone. All right. And now stop recording.